Hey church, I'm excited to be with you. My name is Zach Daniel. I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch Community Church here in Dallas, Texas. I'm excited you're consuming this content. It was originally produced, originally put together for our life groups for Mother's Day Sunday in May of 2017. As a community, we're in a series learning about praising God. If you look at the history of the people of Jesus, the history of the, the followers of Jesus, we are a singing faith. From the pages of scripture to the pages of church history in various cultures and countries, uh, rich, poor, young, old, politically right, politically left, uh, red, yellow, black, white, brown, we have been a singing people, a praising people. It's one of the marks of who we are. Why is that? Why are we a people of praise? How do we grow in that? How do we practice? It doesn't come naturally for most of us. So what do we do with this command in Scripture over and over and over again to sing our praises to the Lord? That's what we're learning about. That's what we're growing in as followers of Jesus. So what we've seen so far as we've looked at these Scriptures as we've grown together is, number one, that in the environment of praise, in the environment of worship, that's where we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a really good thing. The Bible teaches us that when we're filled with the Spirit, we come to know God in a deeper way. And we talked about that as we grow in praise, it's an environment to know God more. We spent a whole week talking about that. We saw that when we're filled with the Spirit in that environment of praise, that great things happen in our character, that love and patience and joy and goodness is, is developed within us. That's awesome. And we saw that in the environment of praise when we're Filled with the Spirit, God not only works in us, which is really important, but He works through us as well. People are healed, delivered, saved, relationships are reconciled, families are restored, generations and cities and nations are changed as people praise. Last week, we saw that when we praise, it brings breakthrough. That when we praise God, even when plans seem to have gone off track and the, the, the unresolvedness of life, if that's even a word, uh, when we praise God in those places, He's even worthy of our praise then. And that creates a dynamic for breakthrough within us and through us. We heard an amazing story from our own Heather Mercer about how God had done that in her life. Today, we are going to look at one of my favorite stories in the Bible it's 1 Samuel. It's a story about a woman named Hannah. So I want to invite you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1 in your Bible. That's where we're going to be today as we learn more about being a people of praise, about being filled with praise, being filled with the Spirit, uh, singing praises to the Lord. Okay, so if you'll turn your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to read an amazing story about a woman named Hannah and what God did uh, as she praised him. So the start of 1 Samuel chapter 1 walks us through kind of who's involved in the story. Uh, you can try and read those names for yourself. You're going to get a lot of tongue twisters within that. But to cut it down short for you, there's a, a man who had two wives. Verse 2, he had two wives. The name of one of his wives was Hannah, and the other one was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children, right? So you've got a husband. He's got two wives. That was culturally kind of the norm in their day, right? One of his wives had children. That was his offspring, his descendants, the ones that were going to take his legacy. That was a real honor back then. One of his wives 
had no children, right? She was barren. The barren woman, her name was Hannah. She's going to be kind of be a centerpiece in this story. Verse 3, now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh. Okay, so the husband in this story, the family, they were worshipers of God. They were worshipers of the God of the Bible. They would go up regularly to praise God, to worship God at the, at the place of worship. They were going to sing to Him. They were going to sacrifice to Him. They were going to try and honor Him and praise Him, right? Similar to what we're talking about. So they would go up to Shiloh where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, so Eli is the priest in that day, kind of the, the, the big wig, so to speak, the big man of God. His two sons were running that area where the priests of the Lord, verse 4, on the day when Elkanah sacrificed, that's the husband, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and to all her daughters. So he's sacrificing to the Lord. He would give some of the portion of that to one of his wives and and her kids. But in verse 5, but to Hannah, he gave a double portion. What does that mean? It means that he liked Hannah more. Right? He gave to everybody else, but, but Hannah, he had a sweet spot for Hannah. Though she couldn't bear children, he loved her. And it said he gave her a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. So though she was barren, though she couldn't, uh, she couldn't have children, her husband loved her, gives her a double portion. Verse 6, and her rival, Penina, used to provoke Hannah grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So just imagine the family dynamic here. You've got a husband with two wives. One's barren. One has kids, right? Husband loves one more than the other. So the wife that can have children makes fun of the wife that can't have children. So you've got a lot of contentiousness, a lot of drama, a lot of tense relationships within the family. Why is that uh, helpful for you and me? It helps us when we read this and we see the dynamics going on to realize that the Bible is not primarily a story about people who had their lives squeaky clean, had it all together, had no complexity, no drama, no awkward kind of family dinners. No, it's people with problems, with significant issues, probably like you, probably like me, probably like the people in our church, probably like the people of our city, right? This is us, right? We can read ourselves right here. Verse 7, so it went on year by year. And as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. So as Hannah would go up to worship God, she'd have that double portion. Penina would talk trash to her while she was gone. It just kind of provoked the situation. Not just once, not just a side comment here, a side comment there, but year after year after year. Therefore, Hannah wept. And would not eat. The drama got so bad, so painful, so just disruptive. She just, and just, she just lost her appetite. She wouldn't eat. Verse 8, And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? So he said, he said why are you crying? I, I love you so much. Am I not better than having all the offspring that you'd hoped to have, like he's trying to comfort her. He's trying to assure her of his love. But obviously, this is a deeply painful situation for Hannah. If you've ever had a friend or maybe yourself 
that's been uh, barren, that's wanted to have kids, but has not been able to. You know the pain, the, 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 the grief that goes with this, and to have that exacerbated by Penina over and over and over again. You can just feel uh, her pain, right? And you can just sense the compassion of God really empathizing, drawing in, detailing out the condition of Hannah. That's important for us to see. Verse 9, after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. So they've gone up again. They've eaten. They've drunk. It's now time. They're going in to worship uh, Eli. The priest is there. And Hannah goes into the temple, goes into the place of praise, in her pain, in her disappointment, in her turmoil. She goes to the house of worship. Verse 10, she was deeply distressed and she prayed to the Lord and she wept bitterly. Now, this is a different type of praise, a different type of worship than what we've seen so far in the scriptures we've seen so far in our study. What we've seen primarily is praise where it's rejoicing, it's celebrating, it's we're excited. And yet here Hannah is in the place of praise, in the temple, and yet she's not celebrating and dancing. She's pouring out her heart in her pain. She's weeping bitterly before the Lord, right? And so what we see is praise is, just, is not just for the, the high times. It's not just for the jumping around and being excited and everything's great, right? This is also for the pain in our lives. This is also for the disappointment. This is also for the just, man, things are in a rough spot. I don't know what to do. I'm hurting, right? We go to the place of praise. We talked a little bit about that last week. But what happens? Verse 11, And she vowed a vow and said to the Lord, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed will look on the affliction of your servant, if you will remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. So what does she do there in the place of praise? She says to the Lord, Lord, if you would give me a child, I will commit him back to you all the days of his life. I'll give him back to you. Would you look upon me? She's pouring out her heart. She's making her request. Verse 12, as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli, the priest, observed her mouth. Verse 13, Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli looked her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being a drunk? Put your wine away from you. What, 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 what's happening here? She's praying so fervently. She's pouring out her heart so deeply that the observer, Eli, looks at her and is like, man, this lady looks like she's drunk, right? If you've ever been around a drunk person, you can imagine kind of, okay, what was this type of praise? What was this type of prayer? What did it look like, right? It was a little uncomfortable for Eli. I mean, it's a little bit like, lady, get a hold of yourself. Like, like pull yourself together. Notice Eli is saying that God's not the one saying that to her. This is how she's pouring her heart out. In verse 15, Hannah answered, No, my Lord, no, Eli, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have neither drunk wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. 
Verse 17, Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. She explains to Eli, I'm not drunk. I just, my great grief, my great anxiety, I'm pouring out my heart to the Lord. He looks at her and he says, Go in peace, woman. May God hear your prayer. That's Eli's wish. Verse 18, she says, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. And then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. So note, there's been something that's happened in her emotional chemistry here. As she's poured her heart out to the Lord, as she's come to the place of praise in her pain, something, some sort of transaction has happened to where she's leaving in a state that's much different than when she came, right? Sadness has somehow been left before God, and there's a resolution or a peace that she has now. We'll keep going. Verse 19, they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked him from the Lord. So out of this time of prayer, out of this time of praise, out of pouring her heart out to the Lord, right? The scripture says the Lord remembered her. What does that mean? He looked upon her with kindness. He, he looked upon her with favor. He looked upon her with graciousness. And he gave her a son. His son's name was Samuel. She followed through and committed Samuel to the Lord. He's the one that wrote this book. He went on to become a great leader in their generation, in their nation. And he was birthed out of a praising Woman. I want to point out three things to you that I think will help all of us grow as a people of praise. Number one, I want to turn your attention to what type of God, the God of the Bible, the God of Jesus, is that He's the type of God that people come to Him in their pain. They come to Him with the deepest needs of their lives. They come to Him and pour out their heart to Him. If you're familiar with history, if you're familiar, maybe you took a world religions class in high school or maybe college, you know that people everywhere worship something. We, as people, as one of our common denominators, everyone's going to worship something. We've had all kinds of, uh, of different gods. Maybe you took a mythology class, so you learned about Greek and Roman gods, or you've learned about Eastern cultures and their gods. Everyone worships something. You're going to be hard-pressed to find a, a God other than the God of the Bible, other than the God of Jesus, that though they may be worshipped, they actually uh, care about people. They actually are engaged in the lives of people. They're actually uh, interested or inclined. The Bible uses the word to describe God merciful. He's actually inclined to intervene and to help. You're going to be hard-pressed to find another God that's like that. You can find gods that are, well, that's karma. You did something in a previous life or earlier in your life that you just kind of, that's what you get. You'll find other gods that's like, this is the will of God. It's unchangeable. This is fate. You'll find gods that you could somehow manipulate, somehow twist to try and get them to, to do you a favor, to twist their arm. But that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible, the God of Jesus, is a God of love. He's a God of grace and compassion. He's faithful and he's true. And in this story, we see that he's the type of God 
that we can come to and pour our heart out before Him. Not a vain prayer of just striving about, but we can literally come before Him and pour our heart out and that He hears us and that He remembers us and that He draws near and He moves in power. Here, He changed her emotions, right? She went from sad to happy. He also changed her circumstances. She had a child. I can't promise you that every time you praise, every time you pour out your heart to God, that your circumstances are going to change, but I can promise you that God will be faithful to you. I can promise you that God will be good to you. I can promise you that God will pour out His love and His grace on you and that He will move in your life in a wide variety of ways. But He's the type of God that we can come to, not just when we're on our good days, but even on our bad days. Second thing that I want to show you, that I want you to see, that I think is helpful for us to realize, is that praise is not one-dimensional. Praise is not just, man, I'm jumping up and down, I'm raising my hands, I'm singing my song. Right? You've probably heard that, that Eskimos have a wide variety of words for snow. I believe it's some, somewhere over 20 different words for snow. Um, why is that? Because snow is a central part of their culture, of their community, right? It's, it's, a, it's a central thing. In English, we just translate it, snow. We might translate it blizzard, but then you don't know if you're talking about Dairy Queen or you're talking about the actual, like, you know, snow that comes down. So we just got one real word for snow. We have kind of one word for praise, but if you read through the Bible, what you see is because praise was so central, because it was such a part of their relationship with God, because it was such a part of walking with Him, there's actually a wide variety of words and expressions and pictures that we get in the Bible of praise. We see that there's the lifting of hands. There's the, the shout for rejoicing. There's the dance. There's the get down on your knees. There's the be silent before the majesty of God. Here we see another one. It's pouring out our hearts before Him is a form of praise. There's a rich depth and diversity to what praising God looks like. And there's a rich depth and diversity to the emotions that go with praise. Maybe it's joy. Maybe it's thanksgiving. Maybe it's pain and anxiety, right? There's just a, there's a depth and a diversity that I think is important for us to realize that praise is not just one kind of simple thing that we might think in our minds, but man, there's breadth here. There's room here. There's room for you and room for me to come and to meet with the living God, to come and honor Him and worship Him and pour out our hearts before Him in good times and in bad. Number three, what I want you to see, I want you to focus in on Hannah. Uh, Samuel, again, her son, is writing this. And you can hear as he writes the story, you can sense the tenderness for the situation of Hannah. And even in a greater way, God is working through Samuel to write this, to, to honor her, to lift her up. A, a barren woman on the backside of some obscure country that no one would pay attention to, and yet the God of the Bible honors her. The God of the Bible remembers her. The God of the Bible lifts her up in this story. And I want you to see the power of a mother who worships. I want you to see the power of a mother who praises. You see, the fruit of her praise, the fruit of her worship was Samuel. Samuel was raised up to be a significant, uh, almost like a hinge 
in the history of the Bible. He was a leader for good. He was a man that God used in power. He changed a generation. He changed a nation. He was birthed from the place of praise. And I realize here on Mother's Day that we have women in a wide variety of places in our church. We have women who you can read and you can identify with Hannah being barren. And you've wanted to have children and they've not come. Or maybe you have been wanting to have children, you're looking for Mr. Right and he seems nowhere to be found. Or you've wanted to have children and you thought you found Mr. Right, but he's turned out to be Mr. Wrong. We have others of you that have uh, had children biologically. We've had others in our church that have pursued motherhood through adoption or through foster care or through your profession or vocation. Maybe you're a, a caseworker or a teacher where you love your kids that are in your classroom or you love the kids that are assigned in your workplace and you, you, you almost are like a second mother to them. Or maybe you're like a big sister to the people in your workplace or in your school or, or to those that are, you know, you're in 11th grade and you're kind of like a big sister to the, to the ninth grade. We just have a wide variety uh, of women in our church. And I want to encourage you that wherever you find yourself in that spectrum, whatever the challenges and the blessings that you may face, that God is for you, that you can come near to the Lord, that He's tender with you in your season, in your life, in the things that are before you. And if you will bring your praise and your pain your anxiety and your adoration to the Lord, then He's going to move in a wide variety of ways and He's going to birth things through you. It may look like biological children or it may look like adoption or it may look like foster care or it may look like in the workplace or it may look like in the community. I don't know. But as you praise God, as you give your praise to Him, He's going to birth things through you that are going to change generations. They're going to change cities. They're going to change family lines. They're going to change destinies of people. And we want to honor you today. We want to honor you for the gift that you are in whatever season you find yourself. We want to rejoice with you. We want to cry with you. And we want to praise God with you and watch God do miraculous things in and through us as we grow as a people of praise.